verse number 11 says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you will strike the Midianites as one man. The clause of concern is found in verse 15. I want to repeat and reiterate it. He said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my father's house. I want to tag a title to this text and talk from this subject today, Get Off My Line. Let me go to this side because I'm trying to find, I might have to go to global. I, I, say, I want somebody to say this to the devil like you mean it. Say, get off my line. Clap your hands if you're ready for God's word, family. So family, recently uh, I was spending some time with one of my goddaughters, my newest goddaughter. Uh, her name is Asher, and I think they've got a picture they're going to put up uh, for you so that you can see her. And um, her parents were doing an amazing, are doing an amazing job raising her. Very wise very prudent, limiting her interaction with technology. But whenever she comes over to God Daddy's house, <laughs> I think we're supposed to have a picture. Where's my picture? I want them to see my God baby. Do we not, wave at me if we don't have it because I'm waiting. We don't have it, somebody? No? I can't see, I don't have my glasses. No, okay. <laughs> well, we need to fix this because they need to see my God, baby. I sent the picture, I don't understand. Um, well, anyway, her parents do an amazing job raising her. Well, she come over, God, daddy house. Uh, it's not just me, Pastor Shamika's in on it too. We play with technology, we play, we play with phones. <laughs> and it was interesting. It, it dawned on me a couple of weeks ago when she was playing a game on the phone. <laughs> Put it back up. So she's playing with the phone 
Her parents don't let her do it, but me and Pastor Mika do. She seemed like she had so much fun when she playing with it. But anyway, we're playing with a phone and it, and it hits me. I say, this is the only type of phone she's ever going to know. You can talk on this phone. You can play games on this phone. That's good with the picture family. Uh, we can send emails on the phone. You can record videos on this phone. You can FaceTime with this phone. You can voice text with this phone. You can pull up a map on this phone and so much more. I started thinking about the phones we, we had when I was her age. Come on, I know I'm about to lose some of you. I'm about to lose half of the room, stay with me. I started thinking when I was her age, you could do one thing with the phone. It wasn't an iPhone. Let me show you the kind of phone I'm talking about. Uh, uh, do we have that picture? Somebody speak in tongues right now, please. Jesus. Well, anyway, the phone I grew up with, you couldn't do this. You had to do this. <laughs> yep, there was a day, listen to me young people, where you didn't have what we call three-way. That means if you were on this phone and somebody called you, they would hear a busy signal and they wouldn't be able to get through to you. It's all right, come on, come on back. It's a, they wouldn't be able to get through to you until you got off the phone. Now, this is how trifling some of us was. We can put the phone down, guys. This is how I try. When we didn't feel like being bothered. <laughs> we take the phone off the hook. <laughs> Woo! So that when people who wanted to get in touch with us, they couldn't get in touch with us until we felt like, I was calling you all night, your line was busy. Child, for real? <laughs> and I started thinking about this. And it was almost as if I got this epiphany out of nowhere that Darius, not only is it, is it that way back, was it that way back in the day when humans were trying to communicate with humans? It is that way even this day when God's trying to talk to us. God doesn't use iPhones. He uses rotary phones. There is no three-way. He does not compete for our attention. 
and there are times where he is attempting to communicate to us, get through to us, get a message to us, do something for us, help us avoid unnecessary disaster, help us from making a sabotaging choice, prevent us from experiencing some unnecessary agitation, introduce us to the reason we are born, and he's calling and calling and calling but he's getting a busy signal. One writer said, when the devil can't make you bad, the devil makes you busy. Maybe it isn't that God isn't communicating. Maybe it isn't that God isn't talking. Maybe the issue is we on the line with something else. Listen, when the devil can't make you bad, he makes you busy. And when I'm busy with the wrong things, I can't be busy with the right things. When I'm busy with the less important things, I can't be busy with the most important things. And I am telling you, God's trying to communicate to you and I, we need to get some stuff off the line because there are some more important things he wants to talk to us about. I am not saying we are occupied and obsessed with stuff that is unimportant. I'm telling you, God wants to talk to us about some things that are more important. And if we are able and willing to address the things that are more important, then it will automatically address the things that are less important. We continuously and consistently deal with fruit. And God's like, I want to talk to you about root. Because once I deal with the root, we won't have to deal with the fruit of some of these issues. And I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, God wants to talk to you about something that's very important. He wants to talk to you about a root issue of some of your insecurity, a root issue of some of your relationship choices, a root issue of some of your confusion, a root issue of some of your people pleasing. He said, I want to talk to you about a thing that affects every other thing. And if you get this thing right, it makes these things things easier I need to talk to you about purpose because you when you don't know come here when you don't know what you're supposed to do with your life then you really don't know who's supposed to be a part of it let me go to this side because I felt I'm gonna go all the way over y'all with me I'm gonna say it one more time when you are not clear on what you're supposed to do with your life then you can't make clear decisions on who's supposed to be a part of it when you don't know where you're going you don't know who needs to go along for the ride yeah 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 some relationship issues are purpose issues Some identity issues are purpose issues. It's one thing for God to call you to different roles. It's another thing for us to live our life as a chameleon. Which means the environment you're in determines the person you become. Now I'm not saying that we shouldn't be all things to all people. But God will never call you to be someone. He will call you to be another version of yourself. But he will not call you to be someone other than yourself. 
But when you are not clear on purpose, you will walk in rooms and not know why you're there. The reason some of us, are y'all okay? The reason some of us can't say no to people is because we haven't learned how to say yes to God. Listen to me. Purpose is an automatic eliminator. I'm going to say it. Let me put it this way. When purpose becomes clearer, decisions become easier. It automatically eliminates some things. Because purpose not only reveals who you are, it reveals who you're not. Purpose not only reveals what you do, it also reveals what you don't do. It gives you a Christian type of confidence where you can walk in rooms with humility and say, this right here is what I do. Come on. You say, oh, I do this. Now, I don't do that, but this is what I do. I'm talking about that kingdom confidence, that Christ-like confidence that say, oh, I know who I am now. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it back up again. Because that's what I do. Has the enemy been after anybody's identity? Has he been trying to steal your confidence? But the confidence becomes clarity on your calling. Give me a hammer. I'm insecure. But give me a mic. I become a different man with a mic. I walk different with a mic. I talk different with a mic. Because clarity gives you confidence. And some people can't capture confidence because they're not clear. Purpose. Purpose. Somebody say purpose. Come on, say it again. Say purpose. Come on, say it like you're serious about it. Say purpose. Come on, put it in the chat with exclamation points. Say it with enthusiasm. Purpose. Yeah, it's the reason for the creation or the existence of a thing. It's what the divine had in mind when he orchestrated your existence on this planet. It is the single greatest determinant and defining factor of success. It doesn't matter how many degrees we get. If we miss purpose, we fail. Doesn't matter how great a job we get. If we miss purpose, we fail. Doesn't matter how much money we make. If we miss purpose, we fail. I'm not saying that the purpose of life is to prosper, but prospering is a byproduct of purpose because purpose gives you the highest form of compensation and the highest form of compensation is not finances the highest form of compensation is fulfillment if you got finances and you don't have fulfillment you'll always feel poor a marriage won't fix it a job won't fix it a man won't fix it a woman won't fix it money won't fix it you can only find fulfillment when you find purpose You are not an accident. I don't care if you don't even know who your biological parents are. God said, God may have arranged, well, He said, I needed somebody else to raise you, I just needed them to make you. 
Let me pause right here. I feel something on this one. Let me sit right here. I'm going to sit in this for a minute. Yes. See, I am not absolving parents of responsibility to raise their children. But I want you to see the sovereignty of God even as he uses things he didn't cause. I want to talk to some man right now. I feel this. Who is, who is wishing your father was more involved. And you are wondering why you're having to endure the emotional pain associated with his lack of involvement. I am telling you, he should have been involved. God wanted him to be involved. It's his responsibility to be involved. But I want you to see that God will not allow your future to be determined by the failure of somebody else to carry out their responsibility. God said, I'm not going to let your life be messed up because somebody would step up. So he said, this is what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to reframe the way you see this. So I would rather you deal with the pain of his absence than you have to deal with the consequences of his presence. Because right now, it's just your feelings are hurt. But if that negative influence would have been in your life, your life would have been hurt. my father shaped me he molded me I trusted him I looked up to him I was I was malleable in his hands and I think about if that would have been a negative influence how it would have turned out somebody open your mouth and say purpose Come on now, y'all, y'all see, y'all, see, see, Tario, I, I want y'all to see this is the root issue. We keep dealing with fruit. I want you to see your faith issue is a purpose issue. Because you only feel confident that you'll be protected when you realize you need it. Alex, they missed it. I said, when you realize you need it, it gives you confidence that you'll be protected. When you understand that you are useful to the kingdom of God, then you recognize God has a vested interest in my well-being. I'm an asset to the kingdom, and God protects his assets. So if I go in the lion's den, I'm coming out because I got a purpose. And if I go in the fiery furnace, I'm coming out because I got a purpose. And if they crucify me and put me on a, t on a cross and in a tomb in three days, I'm getting up because I got a purpose. And I want somebody that the devil's been throwing everything he can at you to open your mouth and say, I got a purpose. I got a purpose, so no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I got a purpose, so my enemy will come at me one way but flee seven ways. I got a purpose, so he's going to open doors no man can shut and close doors no man can open. I am an asset to the kingdom. I got a purpose.
Somebody say purpose. Purpose, purpose. purpose. Listen to me. Purpose. It's spiritual in its origin. Purpose. It's spiritual in its origin. Spiritual in its origin. What, is, what does that mean, Dr. Darius? The creator, not the creation, determines something's purpose. God picks, we discover. God selects, we submit. He had it in mind. What, are y'all ready? He had it in mind before your parents had each other in mind. Oh, I'm in the book. Jeremiah, before I formed you. He said, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you. I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. This is spiritual in origin. The creator, not the creation. It means that you don't pick your purpose and other people don't either. Hey. I said, hey, I said, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't pick it and they didn't pick it either. Since God orchestrated it, he orchestrated it without their approval. So if God didn't need their approval to give it to you, why you think you need their approval to carry it out? You need to tell some people, I don't care what you think about. You shouldn't be doing that. I agree with you. Y'all missed it. You're not worthy to do that. I agree with you. Somebody better, more moral should be doing that. I agree with you. But since I didn't select myself, if you have a problem with my selection, talk to my supervisor. Talk to my supervisor. Miss, Miss Frankie, some people thought I was too young to get my first church. They giving that to that little boy. He don't know what he's doing. I didn't select myself. If you got a problem with my selection, talk to my supervisor. You wondering how I got here? I'm wondering how I got here too. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, It's spiritual in its origin. Listen to this. It's strategic in its timing. The creator not only determines the purpose of a thing, he determines the seasons when the thing fulfills its purpose. Solomon says to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Watch this. This is one thing I know about time. Habakkuk says this, the vision is for an appointed time. It means that God has written it down in his calendar 
and the devil wants you to think it's too late because he's got you and I making assumptions based on our timetable and other people's timetable as opposed to God's timetable not realizing that whenever God say it's time it's the right time you too old no you too old it's too late no it's too late for you it's not too late for me there are stories in the Bible like older women like Sarah having babies not to try to convince people in their 90s to have babies the stories are in there so that you can see how God will enable you to give birth to a thing in a season where other people think it's too late and I need everybody in here to open your mouth and declare prophetically it's my time how about so? it's my time God let me get my silly season out the way he let me get my dumb season out the way he held the best until this season of my life I'm ready now it's my time it's spiritual in its origin strategic in its timing specific in its nature specific in its nature specific in its nature watch this I want everybody that's a note taker to write this down type it down change global put this in the chat you my teaching assistants here it is uh, you are not called to make a difference yeah put, put, put that in there no write it fast because some of you when I said that you were like wait a minute did I hear that right you heard it right you are not called to make a difference you're not you are not created to make a difference all right don't put a period at the end of that put a comma all right you are not called to make a difference now here's the rest here's, here's the B clause you were created to make your difference I can't just go through life making a difference when I've been called to make my difference purpose is specific in its nature therefore I don't know if y'all can have this this really like a this like a, a first Wednesday kind of message can y'all handle this this like this kind of like a believers message you know this is like a fire night message you can y'all handle when I'm getting ready to go this means now are y'all ready this means now clarity gets complicated for super gifted people the more gifted you are the more difficult it can be to get clarity because if you can only do one thing then you know the one thing to do but when you can do a plethora of things clarity becomes difficult because now I got to discern between what I can do and what I'm called to because everything I can do I'm not called to 
God's given me my gifts for specific assignments. So this means I got to be willing to resist the temptation to do what I can do just because I can. And say, I'm going to submit my gifts to the purpose for which you gave them to me. We, we, we see a powerful picture of this in the Garden of Gethsemane when uh, Jesus is getting ready to be taken into custody. Peter, who's my favorite disciple, by the way. Yours too? Yeah, he a real one. He a real one. He's been casting out demons, praying, done seen Jesus walk on water. Done he done been crying, been worshiping. And as soon as somebody put their hands on Jesus, he pulling out a switchblade. I say, Peter, you've been doing all of that praying. That street came right on out, didn't it, Peter? Get your hands off Jesus. Get your hands off Jesus. Peter tries to defend Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, wait a minute. Don't you know if I wanted to? Let me tell you what I could do with my power. Let me tell you what I could do with my ability. Let me tell you what I could do with these gifts. If I wanted to, I could call for legions of angels. But I don't get to use my power the way I want to use my power. I have to use my power purposefully. See, you know you in purpose when you're able to look at what you could do. <laughs> Watch this. All right. No, 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 no. Y'all, are y'all ready for this level of honesty? You know your purpose when you're able to look at what you could do that other people are doing on a level that's inferior to the level you could do it on. Well, you see it and say, I could do that and I could do it on a better level. But not my will. Your will be done. See, I want y'all to catch this. Because we don't talk, well, we talk like this because this, we got a kingdom culture. Uh, we want the king's way here. Level three only, not culture's way, not church's way. The king's way because that's the only way to work. Uh, church's way gets you to heaven, but you have hell on earth all the way there. Um, no, no. Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. I get a little bit on earth. I don't get everything on earth, but I need a, I need a little bit on earth. Kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A little bit of heaven invade earth when I do it the king's way. Yeah, I, I, specific in his nature. I'm going to talk about this a little later. But when God reveals your specificity, that's what he wants you to do with your gifts. But the only way you submit to it is if you deal with your greed. Because you can be saved and greedy. And you can sanctify your greed 
Because greed doesn't just manifest itself in an insatiable desire to accumulate material possessions. Greed also manifests itself in unbridled ambition. Some of us are too emotionally greedy. I want to be known. Nothing wrong with that. Why though? Greedy. I want to reach more people. Really? Why? See, it's weird because in church, we can use spiritual words to describe carnal states. Spiritual in its origin, strategic in its time, and specific in its nature. This is, this is so important, and this is why when God calls, I want to answer. I, I, I want to I pick up the phone. But sometimes he can't get through because my line's busy. And our text today, I'm done. I got 10 minutes, y'all all right? Our text today reveals an individual who's a powerful picture of what I'm attempting to proclaim. His name is Gideon. Gideon is situated in a season in the life of Israel called Judges, where Israel was not led by a literal king. They were ruled and governed and guided by a group of spiritual and civil leaders called judges. Here's the issue. <laughs> when the cat's away, the, mouth, <laughs> the mouse will play, right? So when there are no clear lines there of authority, this is what happens. Judges 17, 6 says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Right? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so Israel didn't realize that inherent in some of their choices were consequences. It wasn't like they make a choice and then God punishes them. Inherent in, inseparable from, it means that you don't get this without getting that. Got me? So it's not that they made a choice and God say, ooh, I'm going to get you. God's like, no, don't make that choice because this is what comes with that choice. It's, God's like, don't put your hand in water and be surprised if you wet. Because wetness is inherent in water. Are y'all here? Yeah. Don't put your hand in the fire and be surprised if you burn. Because heat is inherent in fire. So when God's like, don't do this, stay away from that, don't do, it's because he's saying you're going to get burned. He's saying you're going to get wet. He's saying that, that, that there are some consequences inherent in the choices. And what can happen is when we don't see the consequences inherent in some choices, immediately we assume that it will never happen eventually. So when we don't see immediate consequences, we can be emboldened to continue a certain course of action. And God's like, grace sometimes shows up by me stepping in and holding back consequence to give you a little more time to come to your spiritual senses and repent and make a U-turn and go in the opposite direction. Oh my. 
I feel something right there. Yeah, we praise God for a number of things. I want everybody, all the perfect people, be quiet. But if God ever held back a consequence, all the perfect people, be quiet. But if there's something that could have came your way and you know God blocked it, I'm going to stop right there, Rachel. Because this was the, the old 1130. I was, ooh. Yeah. 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 If you ever got in the car and went over there knowing you shouldn't have went over there and God still protected you and kept, let me. So inherent in some choices or consequences. And God's like, yo, yo, don't do this because when you do certain things, Israel, you make yourself vulnerable to enemies who are not active, but they still enemies. See, just because enemies aren't active doesn't mean they're not enemies. Y'all do know that sometimes even your enemies have to be triggered. Uh, somebody catching the revelation here. I say sometimes even your enemies have to be triggered. Sometimes your success trigger your enemy. And you like, why are they acting funny all of a sudden? No, they always been who they are. Your next level just triggered them. Y'all not. I'm preaching the text. Because there was a group of people around Israel called the Midianites. And the Midianites, Alex, did not attack Israel until harvest season. They would leave Israel alone when they were planting. But when the harvest came up, the enemy showed up. I don't know who this is for, but some of you need to be praising God for enemies showing up because the enemy showing up is an indication you in harvest season. Somebody open your mouth and say, it's my season. How about time? It's my season. It's my season. It's my season. It's my season. Let me wrap up. I'm running out of time. It's late. Here it is. The Midianites will let Israel do all that work. And then at harvest season, they would come and take the reward from their labor. Israel's got to be discouraged. See, because the Midianites, this, watch how they attack. They didn't take their life they took their harvest, so they took their heart. I, I'm getting ready to show you in a minute because that's what Gideon didn't have. Y'all missed it. <laughs> when they were taking their harvest, they were taking their heart. These, these people became disheartened because how I'm doing all of this work and this all I see for it. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? I said, how am I doing all of this work 
and this all I'm seeing. It, it'll take your heart. It'll take your enthusiasm. It'll take your get up and go. Like I'm doing all this work in this relationship and this is all I'm getting. It'll take your heart. I'm doing all this work on this job and this is all I'm getting. It'll take your heart. I'm doing all this work for the kingdom and this is all I'm seeing. It'll take your heart. The Midianites took their heart. And Israel's got to be like, God, I don't understand why in the world you let this happen to us. These Midianites not even realizing that even though the Midianites attacking them was a consequence of a choice, God still made sure that it was not as catastrophic, that the consequence was not as catastrophic as it could be. I don't know if y'all ready for this theologically. Because you see the sovereignty of God, Philip, even in the selection of the enemies that were in proximity. See, the Midianites were close enough to know when it was harvest season. And you see the sovereignty of God even in divine placement of the enemies that were in proximity. They were a friendly enemy. Uh, 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 it's, it's in, in Genesis 25, I want you to see where the Midianites come from. It says that Abraham eventually took another wife whose name was Keturah. And I want you to see one of the sons she bore him was Midian. So Gideon comes from the seed of Abraham. Midian comes from the seed of Abraham. I ain't gonna bother that, but that should set some parents free there. Cause sometimes they can come from the same seed and go two different directions. Y'all not talking to me here. Hey, you did what you could, but they came one with one with the right way, one with the other. So they're both from the seed of Abraham. Yeah, if it, if it would have potentially been another enemy, it could have ended up another way. Watch this. I want you to know that the trial you in isn't always the trial the devil wanted to send. This might be why the Bible tells us to rejoice in all things. Did y'all catch that? He said, he said, it was Midian, but it could have been the Amalekites. It was Midian, but it could have been the Canaanites. It was Midian, but it could have been the Jebusites. God said, it this, but it could have been that. So year after year, these people were oppressed. They were weary of sowing and reaping. And there's a man that's a part of Israel named Gideon who's got some wheat he's trying to thresh. And he goes over to the place where they press wine because he's thinking the Midianites won't look for wheat here. So he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Acting like he's pressing wine but threshing wheat, hiding it. And God sends a messenger, an angel to him to say, the Lord's with you, you mighty man of valor. Now watch this. There's nothing about Gideon that's reflective of what God called him. God called him a mighty warrior. He's hiding. He calls him strong, he weak. 
He calls him whole, he's broken. He calls him anointed, he's insecure. Somebody lying. Let's do a process of elimination. God is not a man that he should lie. Your behavior is lying to you. Let God be true and every man be a liar. I'm done, Tario. Get on the keys. I got to go. Here it is. God comes to Gideon and say, Gideon, the Lord's with you. And Gideon's like, nah, not really because if he was with me, he would be behaving in a way that's consistent with my expectations. Where's all these miracles? So God, since you're not doing what I think you should be doing during the timetable, I think you should be doing it in, I'm going to assume you ain't with me. So he's alive. He's alive when he should have been dead, telling God, you ain't with me. Let me go to this side. I say he's alive when he should have been dead, telling God, you not with me. Who am I preaching to now? Because sometimes we will be complaining about the miracle we haven't got yet while we standing in a miracle God's already done. He said, Gideon, you think I'm not with you because you lost the harvest. You don't see that I'm with you because I spared your life. And now I'm getting ready to fix it so you can get your harvest back too. He said, Gideon, I know there's an issue here, but I'm calling you to do something about it. Purpose is an answer to a problem. Midian's a problem, you the answer. So there's a whole nation of people waiting on Gideon to say yes. He has no idea what's on the other side of a yes. You watching online, you in this room, this the other side of a yes. You don't know what's on the other side of a yes. This man is insecure. And there's a whole nation of people who waiting on him to say yes. These people are oppressed, depressed, they're suppressed, and they need a leader. God picks up the phone and calls Gideon's number, and Gideon's line's busy. He's on the other line. He's on the other line with what, Pastor Darius? Number one, he's on the other line with a fence. He can't answer the call because a fence got his attention. God's like, I'm trying to talk to you, but you're so offended. He is so offended about what happened in the past that God couldn't talk to him about what he wanted to do in the future. And if we're going to answer the call of God, we got to get off the phone with a fence because you can't accomplish your assignment in a fence because a fence takes up the emotional and mental real estate that we need to focus on the future. His offense is really pain, and it's pain as a result of disappointment because God hasn't seemingly fulfilled his promises. But what offense has Gideon missing 
is what God's trying to do right now. He's so caught up in what God didn't do back then. He's missing what God's trying to do right now. And I believe God's saying to us, if you will stop talking about your past, I will start talking to you about your future. God's trying to talk to you about your next, but offense is on the line. Somebody say, get off my line. I can't afford to stay in offense in this season. Get off my line. God's trying to talk to me about some other things. I don't want to keep meditating on the pain of my past. Get off my line. He's on the phone with offense and unaddressed offense turns into the second thing he's on the phone with. He's on the phone with his infection. See, an offense is an emotional wound. It's a soul wound. And a soul wound is different from a physical wound because when you're wounded physically, you can see it because you're bleeding. A soul wound, you bleed internally so you can be bleeding and not know it. Most of us underestimate the impact of a soul wound. And when, we're, when we underestimate its impact, we underestimate its effects. That's what happened with some people in Scripture when God speaks through a prophet named Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, he says, They dressed the wound of my people as though it was not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. I'm all right when they not. It doesn't bother me when it does. It didn't affect me. Just because it didn't inhibit you doesn't mean it didn't affect you. Just because you winning doesn't mean you weren't wounded. He didn't address his disappointment. He was on the phone with infection. It makes you jaded. It makes you stingy with your gifts. It'll take a wound in the past and cause that infection to move from your heart to your hands. And you won't even use your gifts the way you used to. I'll never do that again. So you saying your infection, not the anointing, is determining what you do with your gifts. You know, you can be hurt so bad that you live the rest of your life not pursuing purpose, but trying to avoid pain. I got to go, but the Holy Ghost is in here today. I say you can live the rest of your life trying to avoid pain instead of pursuing purpose. Somebody say, get off my line. I'll give you one more and then I'll stop. He's on the phone with insecurity. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. His insecurity is an indication he's suffering from an identity crisis. He probably wouldn't say he had insecurity issues until he got introduced to his assignment. 
he's probably fine until God's like, I want you to do this. He's like, wait a minute. You want me to do what? <laughs> you want me to do what? Wait a minute. God's trying to call him and his insecurities answer. Somebody say, get off my line. This is why some of us not clear. We on the phone with a fence. God can't get through. We on the phone with infection. God can't get through. We on the phone with insecurity. God can't get through. And he's saying it's time to tell those three things. Get off my line. God, if you say I can do it, I can do it. Now, I don't know how, but if you say I can do it, I can do it. If you say it's my time, it's my time. If you say it's not too late, it's not too late. Get off my line. What happens to Israel if Gideon doesn't say yes? You know what happens to Israel if Gideon don't say yes? The same thing that happened when Gideon said yes. God would have kept tapping people's hearts until he found somebody to give them a yes. And Gideon would have missed out on the opportunity to use his life for the very thing he was created because God's not going to have Israel's welfare and well-being held up by the yes of one man. He said, Gideon, if it wasn't you, I'm going to find somebody else in the camp that'll give me a yes. And the thing that you're supposed to do God's like, it's got to get done. But I want you to do it. But I created you for it. I'm calling you. I'm done. But the Holy Spirit so arrested me with this. God does not, God has prophetic conversations. But prophetic conversations, I want you to catch, I want you to catch this. But prophetic conversations don't become manifestation until you have a heart that's willing to submit. Listen to me. That's the only heart God can trust a heart that he can trust to do what he says. So here's the thing. Jesus only got three years of public ministry. He only got to live 33 years. That's how young he was when he died. 33. If you're over 33, I want you to know you've lived longer than Jesus and he submitted. So if Jesus had to submit his time on earth, certainly you and I will have to submit what we do with ours. Will you submit? Your dreams, your plans, will you offer them to God? 
in faith believing you will never ask me for anything and give me something inferior in exchange. I was talking to uh, Miss Shirley Phillips yesterday. I'm done. I got to go. I was talking to Shirley Phillips yesterday, and I told her something the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. And he said, Darius, I need you to give me, uh, I was looking at my schedule. My travel schedule is picking up a little bit. The Holy Spirit said to me, Darius, uh, you know, you slowed down these past couple of years. I didn't tell you to do, I didn't tell you to ramp back up. He said, you assume just because you were comfortable, you were called back to that. He, are y'all okay? Can y'all handle this level of honesty? He said, Darius, I need you to give me the road as Isaac. He said, in this season, I need you to steward your churches through this season and the companies I've called you as kingdom enterprises. He said, I need you to, and he said, stewardship requires sacrifice. I need you to give me the road. I say, Lord, now wait a minute. I just start speaking in these business circles and this, the blessings over there is abundant. <laughs> it is corporate's abundant blessings. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is what y'all doing over here. I say, Lord, what you, you want to counsel everybody? He said, no, keep your commitments. Let your yes be yes. But I need you to give me Isaac. That's going to cost me a lot. But it ain't my gift. Because purpose requires submission. And you don't get to get out of this life accomplishing your assignment without offering an Isaac. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but I know you need to pick up. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that you are speaking to that needs to respond. They don't even, some of them don't even know what the next step is, even online. They just know right now you're calling them to a place of surrender. So I just pray that you give them the grace to obey. Holy Spirit, help them obey. And to simply offer the Isaac that you're requiring as a sacrifice of them. I thank you for this, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands all over this house. Ha, ha, ha.